0: Hey there, welcome to one of our first stories of the podcast. I'm David All, and this is Belly of the Beast Life Stories and Beyond. In season three, we shouldered up with you and made it clear that this podcast is not for sale. No advertising or outside influence, a sacred and safe space. Starting with season three, we dedicate a poem to one of our listeners that is standing with us. As an enabler of our mission. They're doing so by chipping in $5 at bellystory.com. To be true to our word, we're going back through some of our earlier content in Seasons 1 and 2 and removing the segments that we feel may not be congruent with this idea. So enjoy. This story, like every other story on our podcast, is now 100% advertising-free a safe space where you can let your guard down, listen, and notice if something comes up in your soul. If you would like to be an enabler, and we certainly could use your help, visit bellystory.com and chip in $5 today. Now here's that extraordinary life story. The goal of this podcast is to bring to life the nature of transformation through people's personal stories of getting knocked down in life and climbing up a new person. Listen for free wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this show so that other heroes can find it too. Let me introduce you to Lorna Rose.
1: And then I, I just sort of moved through the process of grief, I guess, because it, it was a sort of grief. Uh, and having points of, well gosh, m- maybe it is best if I just if I just miscarry, you know, like it, it, maybe it's best if, if that really happens um, because then she might she won't have all these medical special needs. You know, my husband and I were reading more and more about Turner's and reading, of course, about the most severe cases, you know, which you always do when you read stuff on the internet.
0: Motherhood has many faces, and Lorna's powerful story brings to life a mother's love when faced with the high likelihood of a miscarriage. It was in the third month of her pregnancy that a routine blood screen came back positive for Turner's syndrome. Indications of this genetic disorder mean a high likelihood of miscarriage at any point during the pregnancy. Stewing in a range of emotions and a need to express them led Lorna to pick up her pen and start writing, and she hasn't stopped. In fact, our conversation centers around the first poem she wrote, Congratulations. You can find a link to that poem in the episode notes. Lorna Rose, welcome to Belly of the Beast Life Stories.
1: Thank you, David. Thanks for having me.
0: Lorna, I want to ask you about a poem titled Congratulations that you wrote in 2015, but that was published in October 2017. Here's an excerpt. Blood test, missing chromosome, likely to miscarry. When do you stop celebrating your budding belly and steel yourself against her kicks? When does goodbye start? Can you tell us about this poem?
1: So, I was about three months along with my daughter. Uh, we had a two and a half year old at home. Um, and I, being an older mom, I wanted to you know have this screen they call it advanced maternal age screen to check out everything make sure everything was okay and something came back positive this syndrome called turner's syndrome and it is a result of a missing chromosome uh like down syndrome is a result of an extra chromosome and this one turner's is that there's um There's a a pair of chromosomes that's not really a pair because it's missing one. And the result um, for, well, lots of things result from Turner's, but uh, the result that was most devastating uh, for me was a a Turner's carried a high risk of miscarriage at any point in the pregnancy. And so my husband and I are sitting with these results and we live in a small town in Eastern Washington where they send all their medically complex cases to Seattle. And our appointment at a hospital in Seattle was a week out. And so for a week, we we didn't know anything. I mean, I'd never heard of Turner's before. And uh, we didn't know if it was uh, going to be severe, as in if she is born, will she have kidney problems, heart problems, things like that, uh, or would everything be okay? We just, we didn't know anything for a week. And, And that's when I started that poem.
0: Can you describe for us what it felt like when they gave you this diagnosis and when you had to come to terms with the fact that your daughter may die before she was even born?
1: Well, I remember um, having this test done and telling my midwife, if anything comes back, let me know right away and don't sugarcoat it, just tell me. And I remember getting a call and her number flashed on my screen and I was, my heart just jumped. I said, oh man, something's wrong. And she left a voicemail and said, come to my office right away. I said, oh man, something's really wrong. So I got in there and she she sat down and said you know your daughter screened positive for turners and she uh talked about turners and and defined it for me uh and said uh you know we're going to send you to seattle for more testing you're going to meet with a genetic counselor and um we'll just go from there uh she did talk about the high risk of miscarriage and I just I I think I was in shock for a few days and then it turned to how do I do this like how do people get through this I uh, I I don't know it was kind of like walking on eggshells um, cause I, I just, we didn't know anything. And then I, I just sort of moved through the process, um, of, of grief, I guess, cause it, it was a sort of grief, uh, and having points of, well, gosh, may, maybe it is best if I just if I just miscarry, you know, like maybe it's best if, if that really happens um, because then she might, she won't have all these medical special needs. You know, my husband and I were reading more and more about Turner's and reading, of course, about the most severe cases, you know, which you always do when you read stuff on the internet. Um, and again, this is this is happening the week before we go to Seattle to see the specialist. So we're, it's kind of left up to us to, to mine this information and to educate ourselves more about it. Um, but I just remember, you know, having abdominal cramps and being like, well, this is it. You know, I guess, I, I guess I'm gonna, you know, my body's going to go through this and it's going to suck. Um, you know, but maybe it's, maybe it's for the best and then uh, feeling horrible, horrible that I would even have those thoughts, feeling so guilty.
0: To the point about grieving and when was it even okay to start grieving, that last line from that excerpt that I started out with says, when does goodbye start? When did it start?
1: I think it kind of started right away because I didn't know if I was going to miscarry, and if I miscarried, like when that was going to happen, I I just I didn't know, and so I I think I think I just started um, s- started to say goodbye. Right away, and then, you know, we ended up going to Seattle for the appointment. And one of the things we did over there was we had a uh, super high level ultrasound. There's there's a medical term for it that's escaping me at the time, but it's, I mean, they really look at everything. They look at the baby's heart and kidneys and whatever organs whatever other organs are formed at that time. I mean, she was maybe three months at the you know, I was maybe three months along at that time. They didn't see any markers for turners in, in those screens. And I went back, I think, three other times for those high-level ultrasounds. And there weren't ever markers for, for turners. So the farther along in pregnancy I got and, um, things seemingly, you know, were going okay. And, um, you know, we'd have these scans and everything would, would come back normal. I began to get more confident that, if she did have turners, it was a, uh, a mild case of it because weren't, they weren't seeing any physical attributes that would indicate turners.
0: How did this experience drive you inward? And before you answer that, I want to just bring up two lines from your poem, Congratulations, where you almost command yourself. You say, you must harden for farewell. And then the next line, you talk about hiding in yourself again.
1: I remember having feelings that I didn't even know I could have. It was anger, sadness, anxiety, sort of all of those mashed up together. And I I didn't think that sort of thing existed. So I forced myself to explore that more and really just kind of get to the crux of it. So I could, I could, I could process it and I, I could sit with it and whatever happened I I wanted to be okay.
0: How confident were you that you would be okay?
1: I think I got more confident the farther along in pregnancy I went, um, because I had the, the time to sort of look inward and sit with those feelings and, um, you know, have it be okay. Uh, we also had a two and a half year old, and so I think having him and knowing that he is healthy was a, a big deal. Uh, it that it it helped me be like, okay, if if this pregnancy doesn't work out, you know, we, we have him and he's. He's wonderful. He, you know, he's a wonderful little guy. And so that was that, that brought me comfort.
0: Did you have to share the news with him or with other family members? And what was that like?
1: You know, I, uh, I remember hiding my bump. I, I got a bump pretty early, uh, which happens with, with the second, subsequent. Pregnancies, you kind of start showing sooner. And I remember wearing uh, like baggy shirts, uh, long shirts, you know, things to hide the bump because I, I didn't, I didn't want people to know I was even pregnant if if I wasn't going to be for long. Uh, but there was a point where I just. I couldn't hide it anymore. Um, The fact that I was pregnant, and so I remember telling a few close relatives and friends, "Yes, I'm pregnant, but she she might have problems. She's you know, screened positive for this thing, and we just we don't know the outcome." and I don't know. There's not really uh, a script for people to respond to that sort of news. You know, I think in our society, the mainstream is you know, pregnancy is always a good thing. It's always happy. Um, it's always good news. Uh, and in in this case, and in in other cases, it. It's just, it's hard news and it's um, not always happy. You know, it's, it can be complicated.
0: You were bonding with your child that you were carrying. Mm -hmm. Although it was difficult, she was still your daughter. In this poem, you... You say, her name will be Victoria, blonde hair and pointy chin, and please don't look like my mother-in-law. She will cuddle and curl her toes and be mama's girl. She will love musty smells and running barefoot. She will, she will be a professor, a poet, a gymnast. So throughout this process, you're having to deal with something that every day you're growing quite fond of. How did that affect you?
1: Well... You know, we all have dreams for our kids, right? I think I was like, I'm going to still plan, you know, and, and still, you know, I allowed myself to still have those dreams and wishes for, for my kid. Um, But they weren't, they weren't untethered. I mean, they were very much checked with, well, this might not work out. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of gray area in that. Like there's really no middle ground. You know, it's either kind of like this will happen or it won't, you know. Um, And so I just, I kind of had to be in both worlds as it were. And, um, I, as I saw it, I, I, that's just where I was, you know, I, uh, that's just where I, I had to live for, uh, the majority of my pregnancy.
0: You start out this incredible poem, congratulations, which readers can find the entire thing at com or in the episode notes of this podcast show by asking, when does goodbye start? And you end that poem by asking, When does goodbye end? When did it end?
1: Oh, gosh. Nobody's ever asked me that before. I don't think I've thought about it. I would say it ended when she was born. And or it's I, it started to end when she was born. And it really ended... When the, we had her tested at birth and it turns out she, she never had turners. It it had, the, the test had been a false positive. It had produced a, a false positive result. And I'd say that's when goodbye really ended. It, this whole experience just, sort of ended and, and that not to say that it, you know, I, I didn't think about it again, or I wasn't completely healed from that because I, you know, it took me the next couple of years of her life to really heal and really be like, wow, she is okay. You know? Um, and sort of work through my emotions that I had during all of this emotions of guilt and, uh, Just everything that I went through pretty much, you know, it, it took a while to sort of be able to step away from that and kind of move through that.
0: Lorna told us the story of carrying her daughter and finding out three months into her pregnancy that she had a disease called Turner syndrome or potentially Turner syndrome that was very likely going to lead to miscarriage. But before we went to break, her daughter was born and was, in fact, retested for Turner's syndrome, and it came up negative. So could you pick it up there, Lorna, and just tell us what that was like?
1: Sure. So, uh, like you mentioned, we had our, our tested right at birth. And it was, by the way, it was an absolutely beautiful birth. It was this textbook, just wonderful experience. And and people like before that would talk to me about their great births. And I'm like, God, what's so great about it? <laughs> you know, uh, there's a lot of pain involved, uh, for sure. But it was it was a beautiful birth and and we had her tested and the the test came back, I don't know, some days later. And I remember my well, the pediatrician, uh my son's pediatrician, and I'm now my daughter's calling me. And being like, the results came back and it's negative. She, she doesn't have turners. Uh, she, in fact, we, we tested her for other genetic abnormalities and she, she, nothing came back. You know, she's, she's fine. And oh my gosh, I just so much relief, so much like, wow you know like i i just i remember crying on the phone and um telling my husband and and having him cry and uh i just wow you know just like six plus months of just pent up i mean just every emotion that you can think of and then some just kind of came out of me
0: i want to talk about how you handled those emotions and everything that was welling up inside of you and how it just kind of burst out with this news i mean just describe for us what that was like
1: well i wanted to be able to have every emotion that i had felt throughout this process be okay like i wanted to uh, be able to sit with it and accept with, you know, accept it and be like, you know, it's, it's okay that I felt guilty. It's, it's okay that at some point I wished I would miscarry, you know, um, I, I want to have that be okay. And I, I wrote more about my experience, um, And in fact, after that, I just started writing a lot in general about other things. And I, I, the more I, the more I wrote about this and then other experiences, I kind of my my theme within myself, I think that comes out in my writing is, well, I can't be the only one, you know, I can't be the only one that's gone through this. In fact, I know that I'm not. Um, I can't be the only one who, um, you know, has sort of lived between two worlds for, for months, you know, at one point, you know, like I mentioned, uh, wishes I, I would miscarry, you know, I, I know that's happened to other women and I, even, even though I don't know these other women, I just sort of felt this connection with them through my writing and through this experience.
0: And what about anger? I mean, what about that initial test that was ultimately a false positive?
1: Yeah, yeah, wow. Um, You know, it's funny. I take a view um, after everything was said and done, of um, I, I don't take it back. I don't take this experience back because I wrote a lot through this, and it helped me a lot. It was very affirming for me that that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Um, I was able to explore feelings that I wouldn't have otherwise experienced. And now uh, just to have this glimpse into this world of how devastating it is to lose a pregnancy or lose a child, you know, I, I'd never, it, it kind of upped that for me. I mean, sort of um, it, it made that, I felt that on, on a new level. So I, I don't take it back that experience. My my husband does. My husband wishes that that false positive had never been a thing and, and that I just you know would carry on through my pregnancy and, and everything everything would be okay. You know, he wishes that that blip just sort of never happened.
0: When you look down at your daughter for the first time and you knew that she was healthy. What was that connection like?
1: Well, in hospitals, for the first hour, at least the hospital here, and I think more and more are doing it, it's called the golden hour. And the idea is you just lie with your newborn and visitors are uh, discouraged, uh, except for, for the partner and you just you lie with them on your chest and you ideally you breastfeed and just just be together. And I remember that hour as the most special hour of my life, hands down. It was emotional. It, oh my God, I'm so <laughs> starting to cry I just thinking about it. Um, It was emotional, it was um, just happy, just bliss. It was, I don't know, just really, really special.
0: In a way, she gave you your purpose when she was inside of you. And then when she was born, she gave you your bliss. It feels like a very special relationship that you have with your daughter. (laughs)
1: yeah yeah i I think so i mean i um i mean i don't know how other you know parents you know obviously every parent loves their kid but i think our relationship is um like you said really special i feel very close to her she feels very close to me um she was and, and still is she's four now she's a challenge she is she's feisty she's sassy she is um in some ways very much like me and in other ways just completely opposite where i can't even relate
0: and the first part of this story he really took us through uh an entire grieving process, something that felt very dark and inward and challenging in a lot of different ways. You know, you were shaming yourself. You were blaming yourself. There was some guilt in there. There were, there was a lot of things coming up out of you. And then earlier in part two, you mentioned to us that you would never take it back. Right, that this really helped you find your purpose. Can you help us understand that?
1: Well, I think I take it from two different angles. Um, I think I take it number one from, well, you know, I can't I can't take it back. I mean, it, it's it's done. You know, this this test came back and it was positive, and and you know, here's what happened, and so. The practical part of me says, you know, there's no use in in wishing it away because it happened. And then also, I think I think at the end of the day, the experience, um, it just it made me more human, if that makes sense. Um, I mentioned before about um, being able to uh, feel a connection with with women who have experience similar things you know and and sort of looking at at pregnancy maybe a little bit differently than than other people do you know pregnancy it, it, it's complicated you know it doesn't always go as well as it does in the movies you know you know i i'd like to bring more of what i write about in terms of my experience into the mainstream you know being able to talk about miscarriages and stillbirths and the death of a child because those things happen more i think they're more common than people realize and there's not really a script for talking about that stuff and i i wish there were i wish it was more uh, accept it as as just as part of life, you know. Um, that it was more part of part of the conversation.
0: Why do you feel it's not a part of the conversation?
1: Because it's uncomfortable. Because um, we we are conditioned through uh, movies and and other media and a lot of people that we know that you become pregnant, it's a happy event, Uh, it's without complication, it's without negative emotion, and nine months later, there's a baby, and he or she is healthy, and there's never need for intervention or um, medical considerations. You know, it's just it, it's all just uh, a happy, shiny story. And i'd I'd like to see that mold change because I think the those that have experiences that don't fit that mold are uh, marginalized and disconnected and they feel like maybe something is wrong with them or wrong with their life. And I'd like to affirm that, the you all know, things happen. And... Let Let's talk about it. You know, let's talk about these things, and And, like I said, they're uncomfortable, but they're necessary.
0: Everything you just said reminds me of your of your poem, right, and the way that you must have been feeling when you were going through this, that you were alone, that you were marginalized, that you know, everything that you just talked about, when you talked about your own experience, that must be what you feel needs to be solved in the world today and when more women find their voice and a comfort level to talk about these issues there will be more community more comfort and knowing that it's completely ordinary
1: absolutely yeah i mean if you think about it when someone tells you they're pregnant the first thing the other person says is congratulations and you know when are you due and you know sort of uh, you know all that sort of narrative right and 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 pregnant women too i mean we talk about everything every intimate detail about pregnancy you know the the strange sex dreams that we have and the the bowel movements that we have that are different but if there's a miscarriage or if something isn't going quite right in the pregnancy, we don't talk about it, you know, because we can't, because we don't know how. And I, I wish, like I said, I wish that were different.
0: Lorna, you found your voice through what could have been and what most likely was the darkest six months of your life. And now you want to help other women who are experiencing the same thing or have experienced the same thing realize that it's totally ordinary and that it happens. What are some ways that you're doing that?
1: Well, I try and do it through my writing. Um, I try and talk about things I mean, not just pregnancy, but other things that aren't necessarily comfortable for, for readers, but they are things that I've experienced that I've worked through, through writing. And then in turn, I, I try and turn it into sort of an art form and, and it people can read it and, you know essays and 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 memoirs and poetry that people can read and um, you know relate to on on some level.
0: So your daughter is close to five years old now, and I wonder if you've talked to her <laughs> about this time in your life and about your pregnancy and how that challenge helped you find your purpose.
1: I have not. But I, I, I just because of her age, I think she should be a little bit older, um, to be able to to understand it better. But in general, she loves hearing stories. I mean, she loves hearing about the day she was born, and you know, her and uh, or uh, my me and and her dad going to the hospital and um. It's she she loves hearing that story. I mean, she could hear it every, we could tell it to her every day and she wouldn't get tired of it. So I'm, I'm very comfortable uh, telling her about this time in my life. Um, like I said, I, I just want her to be a little bit older so she can understand more about it.
0: Do you ever go back to that place inside of you? Now that you're clearly out of it and your daughter is healthy, but still you you had a cocoon of sorts, right? Where you were you were able to find so much inside of you. Do you ever go back to it?
1: Um, I I go back to it in terms of I reflect on it. I reflect quite a quite often about This sort of weird, strange, dark time in my life and what came out of it for, uh, for me, you know, experiencing this uh, for me as a future mom to my daughter and then what came out of it in terms of, of my marriage Ultimately, it it brought us closer, I I would say.
0: How did it bring you closer?
1: We went through it together. We were in it together. And I still remember that week after receiving this positive test result and going to Seattle for more information, That week of just total uncertainty and and not knowing a thing and researching and Googling. And by the way, don't Google anything ever if you're in this situation. But we were in it. My husband and I were in it together and um, experienced a lot of the same emotion and a lot of the same gratitude for our son uh, and that's, that's, that's special to go through that together. You know, it's, it's unique and it's special.
0: Lorna, going back to 2015, and you're just handed that diagnosis, and you're coming to the realization that your daughter may die before she's born. If you could have whispered into your ear some advice based on everything that you know now. What would you have said?
1: I would have said, dig deep, dig into this stuff because it's not going away. Because this is as hard as it is. And it's incredibly hard. This is your opportunity to get to know yourself on another level this is your opportunity to become more human this is your opportunity to feel whatever emotion you feel and learn that it's okay to feel it
0: lorna thank you so much for this story
1: thank you david
0: What an extraordinary life story. If this story moved you, help enable our mission and keep this advertising-free podcast going by chipping in $5 at bellystory.com. I'm responsible and accountable for this podcast, but I don't do it alone. Milos Brochetta is our sound engineer. Artie Wu is our advisor, and many others have helped along the way to bring this story to life. Thank you for listening. I'm David All, and this is Belly of the Beast Life Stories and Beyond. Thank you for rating and reviewing this podcast on Apple Podcasts and sharing it with a friend or two. Stay tuned. I'm working on some stories that you need to hear.